Today we're going to get into a really important subject. So I'd like you to take your scriptures and turn over to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 34. And uh, this is a really critical um, struggle that a lot of people are battling, I guarantee it. And had a lot of folks after first service that said that, so I'm glad you... I'm lying because uh, this is something I really struggle with. So I'm preaching on gluttony. I'm lying. So anyway, <laughs> let's pray and then we'll get rolling, I promise. Heavenly Father, we just love you and we praise you. And uh, you really are an amazing, wonderful counselor. Uh, we thank you for today's worship. And uh, Lord, more than anything, we thank you for loving us so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. One of the things that we hope will help uh, throughout the series, uh, just as kind of a reminder, is we have some bookmarks, and uh, you just go to the back there at the Welcome Center, and it has the, the names that we're going to be dealing with. And the first one here is Wonderful Counselor. One folks to, uh, I, I got to be honest, I loved it last week when we began the series, and uh, we asked folks to uh, share what their names meant, and we got to hear a lot of interesting names. I think my funnest name was uh, Heather, if you weren't here at the end of second service. Heather means... Shrubbery. Yeah, that's inspiring. Okay, so, so I found that out. That's always good to know. But it's neat to talk about what your name means, and there's a lot of interesting ways that names are used. Uh, this is called aptronym, and this means you have a name, and as you grow into an adult, your name and your occupation line up perfectly. And there's a few of those out there. So let me give you a few examples. Usain Bolt. I love that. Bolt. She's a meteorologist. The world's what? Fastest human. Okay, Amy Freeze, she's a meteorologist. Can you believe that? These are all true. This is a dentist, and his is Dr. E.Z. Filler. E.Z. Filler. Okay. Uh, bricklayer, his name is Roy Grout. That's a little disturbing. Roy Grout. But here's my famous, uh, my favorite one. It's from Walla County, Oregon. And uh, they're two bankers, and their bank is called Cheatham and Steel. Cheatham and Steel. <laughs> It's, a, it's fun. Let it settle in. It's funny. Okay. <laughs> but I love these titles of Jesus, and I love Wonderful Counselor. I mean, just think about what that really means. Something in the Hebrew definition, I love this. Wonderful is actually described as something incomprehensible. That is something wonderful, when it's incomprehensible. And then in Hebrew, the word counselor is that of a wise king's advice. In other words, advice that comes from on high. Now, put those together and you, you see what Jesus does for us. That his wisdom and his counsel for us is beyond imagination. I mean, think what Jesus can do with the most difficult struggles that you're battling in your life. His truth and his counsel is timeless and universal. Now, here's what I mean by and it's a, that his counsel is timeless. From the very beginning of creation, and it said we created what? The world. It created us. And when he created us and we drew, humankind drew our first breath, from the time we draw our last breath, his words of counsel are timeless. They applied then to Adam and Eve, and they apply to us today. And they're universal. Here I am speaking on a very important subject here in just a second. And I guarantee the subject that I deal with and the counsel from Jesus is universal. It applies in Bloomington. It applies in Africa. It applies in Canada. You go across the world 
Every nation in the world tells us about many. It is timeless and it is universal. Jesus counsels us about many things, but today I want to talk about one of the most critical lessons, especially during Christmas. And we're going to talk about what Jesus counsels on the subject of worry. Worry. William Inge said this, Worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. Interest paid on trouble before it's due. This morning we're going to talk about the wise counsel of Jesus on this subject of worry. So if you're taking notes, uh, six or seven of you at least, if you're taking notes, here's the first thing is worry is wrong. Look, look at Luke 12. We're going to look at verses 22 and 23. Worry is wrong. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry, highlight that, about your life, about what you'll eat, about your body, what you're going to wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Four times in this text, Jesus emphasizes the word worry. Now, we don't like to say this around the water cooler at work, but here's the bottom line. It's the word sin. Jesus is saying worry is sin. It's wrong. And then he goes on to explain why it's wrong. There's a book called The Worry Cure by Dr. Robert Leary. And uh, this is interesting. He said 85% of the things of the things about are out of our control. Remember that number. 85% of the things that we lose sleep over and that we worry about are out of our control. In this same book, it was interesting, he took that 15% that people said, okay, uh, this is legitimate worry, and they found that if they weren't nearly as consumed by the worry, that they could actually deal with that other 15% much better. I mean, it can eat us alive. We know that. In Greek, that's interesting, it's the word merimna, and then you can have a negative and a positive approach to worry and concern. Worry is, and this is the negative approach, and it's told in Matthew 6, 25, our word worry, we allow life to just stress us out to the max. Matter of fact, where we get our word worry, the Anglo-Saxon word means to strangle or to choke. And if you think about it, that's exactly what worry does. It just chokes life out of you. Here's two words, I guarantee. Here's how you know you've gone from concern to worry. These are the two words you focus on. What if? What if? What if I don't get that job interview? What if I don't get that call? What if the doctor gives me really bad news? What if the gift that I wanted to give this person that I love is the wrong gift? The what if? And once you start down that trail, it is a trap. The what if? Even during the Christmas season. Uh, years ago, it was our first or second Christmas, and and um, and uh, we had a, he's passed away now. He's an amazing guy. His name is Ralph Haycraft. And at the time, he was selling vacuum cleaners. That <clears throat> was a young guy, so you got to forgive me. And so anyway, I said, "Hey, Ralph, do you think that that would be a good gift for my wife for Christmas?" And he goes, "Oh, it'd be a great gift." Well, it was not a good gift, you know. So I I should have probably wrestled with the what if, like what if she kills me with the vacuum cleaner? I mean. All of us play this what-ifs in our mind, and we can drive ourselves crazy. But on a serious note, this is what we're saying can do. But what about concern? See, there's a positive way to take that same word, that same Greek word. And concern, all of us need concern in our life. Matter of fact, the Scripture tells us, for example, Philippians 2.20, to have genuine concern for the well-being of the church. 
1 Corinthians 7 says that we should be concerned about our spouse. So see, we're supposed to be concerned about things in life. But I love this definition about the difference between worry and uh, concern. Worry is trying to control the uncontrollable. That's what worry does. Worry is trying to control the uncontrollable. Reckless to deal with this. Matter of fact, I read about this kid, a teenager, reckless teenager, and he was uh, driving a hay rack, and he took a, a, a curve way too sharp, and he flipped, uh, completely flipped the wagon. And he got out, and he's like, oh, man, oh, man. And uh, good news was he was right in front of this old farmer's house, and the old farmer came out, and he goes, oh, boy, that's not good. And he said, uh, boy, my dad is going to be so mad. My dad is going to be so mad. He goes, son, you know what? It's dinner time. There's nothing we can do about it now, and I can get that taken care of. Why don't you come on up and have a dinner with me? It's like, oh, no, no, my dad is going to be so mad. You don't know my dad. And he says, no, 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 let's go eat dinner. And I mean, they took their time, had dessert, and the kid is yeah. And he goes, well, I got Finally, the kid said, hey, seriously, can we go back down and try to take care of that? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I can't tell you how mad my dad's going to be. Finally, the old man said, well, son, why don't you tell me where your dad's at? Maybe I can talk to him. He goes, my dad's under the hay wagon right now. <laughs> okay, that's the difference between concern, worry, death, you know. But this is the tension every day we deal with. Should I be concerned about this? Or is this something actually... I'm, I'm not trusting God and I'm worrying about it. H. Stevens said this, there's a great difference between worry and concern. A worried person sees a problem, a concern paralyzed solves a problem. You see the difference? Because worry will always paralyze you. That's how you know. You just get stuck and you keep going deeper and deeper into the hole. And Jesus said, that's not the hole God wants you to live in. Matter of fact, look at verses 24 through 30. We know that Jesus instructs us to trust in God. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild men and all of them, they don't labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do you not set your heart on what you will eat or drink? Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. I love that. Jesus steps back and said, listen, you just need to let God take care of this. And if you don't believe it, just look around. And he talks, a raven. First he says, just look at the raven. I mean, just think about a raven. A raven is just basically a better looking crow. You know what I'm saying? It's a football team. Who cares? But it's a scavenger. Jesus said, now, don't you think if God looks out for a scavenger, and then he says, what about the wildflowers? Look all around. Look how beautiful these are. These are God's creation. And someday they're going to leave this earth. And you know what? They don't have any stress or worry. Do you know the only thing in all of God's creation that worries? It's humans. So Jesus basically says, it isn't going to do you 
any good. Instead, surrender that out. Because if you don't trust God, worry will kill you from the inside out. Matter of fact, it's interesting. I was doing some research. Uh, his name, he's a therapist by the name of Christopher Paul Jones. He's also called the Breakthrough Expert. And uh, over the years, he's kept uh, data of the, the top 10 things that people worry about during the Christmas season. Now, some of them are kind of silly, uh, like overeating on Christmas trees. <laughs> That's overrated. Okay, um, too many people out there that people see, that they feel this swell of people, and they get worried about it, uh, spending too much money on gifts. But listen to the top three. Number three, the annual, the boring pre. Isn't that weird? For two reasons. One is people say, I don't want to be the boring person at the Christmas party. The other person said, I don't want to be the person who embarrasses my entire workforce at the Christmas party. Number two is extended time with family. Now, I know that is not true in this room. I know all of you are counting the days till all of your relatives come together. Raise your hand if you just can't wait for that. Yeah, that's because you've all seen Christmas Story. Okay. We all, it's, to be honest with you, I think it is a blast when the whole family gets together. But in all honesty, a lot of folks, this is a really stressful time. In fact, I can tell you from being a youth minister for 20 years, that for teenagers, they were always stressed out. Anybody want to guess why? Because they went to all these different houses. They said, John, if it was as easy as going to a house or two and all, everybody came in, but they said, you have no idea what it's going to be like. And they would start sharing their stories. And I'm telling you, some of you right now, you're already stressed out about family. But you know what the number one worry was? And this one, this one ought to tug on your heart, being lonely. See, we forget sometimes it doesn't matter whether you have an annoying uncle or the aunt like the Christmas vacation that wraps the cat, you know. They do anything if they all have funny family stories, but you know, Think of all the folks that they do anything if they had a family during the Christmas season. And a lot of folks are already losing sleep because they see the Hallmark movies and they think, I would do anything if I could have a Christmas like that. Folks, we need to understand that worry is real. And physically, think about the damage it's doing. From WebMD, it tells us that uh, worry physically is killing us. Ulcers, headaches, insomnia, depression, fatigue, shortness of breath heart disease, all because we don't trust God. And we, we think somehow worrying will take care of us. Swim, he promises that he'll be with us. There's an old statement, I think it's true, that if you can't swim, it really doesn't matter if you're in 10 feet of water or 100 feet of water. If you can't swim, you're in trouble and you need help. That's why I love this scripture in Isaiah 43, 2. It says, I will be with you in the rivers of difficulty, and you will not drown. You know what worry is? It's like drowning. It's like suffocating slowly. And Jesus said, just let God breathe into you. I mean, trust in God and let him be the one that brings life to you. Learn to trust. And they just need to focus all. I want you to look at verses 31 through 34. We're, we just need to focus on believing and holding tight to God's promises. But if you seek his kingdom and add these things, they will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, 
For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves, and you will not and they will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where there is no thief that comes near, no moth that destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Seek Jesus on a regular listen to songs. Faith and fear cannot live in the same heart. Listen to Psalms 91, 1 and 2. He dwells in the shelter of his Most High. He will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, and my God whom I trust. Does it and can it be that simple that we can take these amazing promises of God and hold on to those, and let go of the worry. Now think about if every day of our lives, we just reach out, we say, Lord, I want to claim your promises, and I want to let, and I want to, the worry in my life. I want to hold my anxiety loosely, and I want to trust your promises, every one of them. I read this text the other day, studying for this sermon, and I'm telling you, I, the more I read it over and over, it's, uh, it has just really... It's just giving me life. It's in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 20. And I want you to just listen to God's word. And this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who we preached among you by us, by and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Man, just let that one scripture sink in. It says when you lift up your prayers to Jesus and he issues you a promise, it's 100% what? Yes. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And here's the truth. And all of us know this. If you put your trust eventually, I don't care, the deepest love for the, the people you love the most, eventually they're going to let you down. And guess what? You are going to let people that you love down. There's never 100% when you're dealing with humans, but when you deal with God, and you deal with his promises, yes, yes, yes. And once you begin believing that, your worry moves into concern. You start doing something about it. Why? Because you've got God with you. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to let you go. 3,000 promises, no matter what. And this is a prime. I've stood with families and at gravesides. And this is a promise I cannot tell you how many times I've read this. And I always read it in the King James. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the what? The shadow of death. Even at the point that you lose or are losing someone you love or you're losing your life, you can trust God. His hope is with you no matter what. You may remember this heartbreaking story a few years ago. It made national news. 
Uh, it came out April 5th, 2013, and Rick and Kay Warren, Rick Warren wrote Purpose Driven Law, and their son, Matthew, had committed suicide. And uh, their whole world changed. Uh, they took six months off completely and just tried to come to grips with this devastation in their lives. And then six months later, they spoke uh, at Saddleback Church together. And they talked about, they knew that this was the new normal and that the pain that they went through was pain that they're still working through, but they trusted God, that they knew that it was real. Kay Warren actually wrote a book from that experience called Choosing Joy. I want you to listen to her words. Joy is my life. The assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all times. Now, how can you praise God when you've lost a child to suicide? How do you do that? You just trust God. There's no quick fix. There's no easy formula. But you don't worry because that's out of your control. What's in our control is Jesus. The wonderful dress in the room. I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. But I know that there's a lot of stress in the room. I know that there's a lot of anxiety in the room. I know that some of you probably didn't sleep last night because of something that you're worried about. And I just want to assure you that the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, is real and he's here for you. In just a few minutes, um, you're going to love this part of the service. You're going to hear some more scripture read by the Anderson family. And uh, you're going to love to hear God's word. And then we're going to move towards the communion tables. And if you've never been here, we have four communion tables. If you need help, you raise your hand. We'll bring communion to you. And I just want to challenge you as you approach these tables. You gave it all. Bring whatever you're stressing about to the table. You just say, God, you gave it all for me, and I want to give this to you. I'm so worried, or I'm so stressed, or I'm anxious. And God, i got to let this go. I want to trust you. I want to lean into your promises. And the best place to do that is right here at the table. You may need to just pray. That's why we have these chairs here. We just have folks that they're here to pray with you, do whatever they can to help you. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're anxious about, you can give it to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach the tables here in just a few moments, help us to come with hearts uh, not that are anxious, hearts that are worried, promises, but hearts that are reaching out to you and trusting you. Lord, your promises are true. You love us. You cherish us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.